Hi, everyone. It is Phil Bailey, and this is the London, Ontario Real Estate Podcast, where you're back for episode seven. And I've been hearing a lot of questions from clients and people in London looking to buy a home this year or considering buying a home this year. And one of the things that always comes up, and it's certainly something that I, I relay to the experts, is around what how do you get a mortgage? How do you go through a pre-approval? What are some of the things to, to watch out for? So I've actually brought on to the show, it's our first guest. We're pretty, uh, pretty excited here. And uh, we've brought on Eddie Barahona Mortgages, uh, who's a local London mortgage broker in town. Uh, past, his past is in accounting, which I love because he actually really understands the, the numbers behind what goes into a mortgage and getting a, getting a pre-approval. So welcome to the London, Ontario Real Estate Podcast, Eddie. Uh, thanks, Phil. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Awesome. So, so I guess the first question I'm always getting from my clients is, what do they need from from What do you need from them when they're getting a, a mortgage pre-approval? So, if someone comes to you and says, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm looking to buy a, a buy a home," what are the things and what are the questions that you're you're asking um, that person when they contact you? Um, that's a great question. I think becoming a homeowner is a lifelong dream for many Canadians, right? And in order for me to do my job properly, I ask them two things. Uh, first one is, what level of I guess, expertise or knowledge do you understand mortgages? So I ask them, what do you know so far about the process? Because then that helps me educate the client because a part of my responsibility and my role is to ensure that the homeowner becomes educated so that they can enter um, the market comfortably and knowledgeable even after they leave me, because that's my job and responsibility. And then the second one I ask is, what are your goals? And what do you want to accomplish over the next five years? So I can really gauge and assess what product fits them. I love it. Yeah, that is something that I definitely use in, in uh, my real estate business as well, is that I, I give people the, the information and then I let them make those, those you know, adult decisions that, uh, that I know that they can make, but I want to guide them through that process as, as much as possible. Oh, okay, so someone comes to you, you, you ask them kind of the initial questions, what type of documents um, would you be looking for and what do they need to have ready to go in advance of even going to look for homes? I think the biggest thing people have to look at when they're coming to any mortgage broker um, is getting your letter of employment, because depending on the if, on your employment and how it's stated by your HR department, it could take them a couple of days to hand that letter. So if you're going into the weekend saying, I'm going to be able to throw an offer out there, but you don't have a letter of employment, that's all dependent on your HR. Everything else is fairly I guess, accessible um, when it's your bank statements, it's something you can print off using your online banking um, and then showing your down payment, right? So um, when it comes to the documentation process, I like to, uh, I guess, as a, as a core principle that I have in, in, in my business model is making sure that I have all documentation up front. So it would, it would be that letter of employment because I need to see what exactly stipulates your guaranteed hours because then I can associate and attribute that amount to how much you can get funded for. Because all in the wording, it's, it's, it's very important for any mortgage broker to dissect that. So when it goes to the lender, the lender can easily interpret it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's something I think that it's really important that a uh, someone looking looking to buy a home does this well in advance of even starting the process. So I do have some some people contact me and they they think they're they're approved for for a certain range. And I always just make sure that they're talking to someone like yourself, 
to make sure that they have all those ducks in a row prior to going out to look for homes because I really don't want them to be to be disappointed in spinning their wheels on a home that doesn't really make sense uh, for for them. Um, so I guess right now, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about on the podcast and I've been hearing about from clients is just how crazy this market has been in, in London. There's been multiple offers on a almost every single house that I think that I've been a part on the listing and the buying side this this year. Um, what are the the things that, that people need to be watching out for in, in the current market to make sure that they can feel comfortable going ahead and, and buying a home are there some pitfalls and things that they should be they should be looking out for that that you've come across absolutely i think that there's a lot of risks associated into i guess any transaction that you go in but it's minimizing those risks and that that comes from my accounting background where how do you uh reduce somebody's exposure to risk and and that's by having that conversation about how much down payment you have right? Because I want to take a look at if you are going in firm, do you have the resources available to you? Um, so I think the two big topics right now that I'd say would be pitfalls, but also to kind of be weary for any um, first time home buyer is going in firm and also um, appraisals that might be triggered by the lender. And that's due to the volatility in the market when you're noticing these benchmark price ranges that are, that are occurring, right? When you see the listing price goes up and then the purchase price is significantly higher. So when you're getting such a difference in listing price to purchase price, the lender really wants to see, are there comparables in the area that can justify that? And if there aren't, will you have enough cash to pay the, I guess, the difference between that? So taking very basic rudimentary numbers, property uh, sells for 500,000, but comparables are only 400,000. If the lender asks for an appraisal, and then it comes back that the comparables are matching to 400,000, you have to come up with that $100,000 out of pocket, right? So it's something, if you do waive your financing conditions and you're going in firm, that you have to be very comfortable and have access to cash in the event that the lender comes back and triggers this appraisal. No, that's great. I, I think that's, that's something that that I've definitely been uh, been been talking to clients a lot about, or making sure that their their mortgage broker has explained that to them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not the financing expert on the uh, on the team. I, I consider myself somewhat of the generalist around real estate, and then I bring in experts like yourself, or or obviously a lawyer is needed in the process, maybe a home inspector. So I think it's really important that you're you're covering off those questions early on in the process, and that you're not surprised buy them um, later on after maybe you've made an offer on a property or you've already, uh, you know, you've already, you've already uh, purchased something in writing. Um, so given the, given the fact that the, the market has been, uh, has been, been going up uh, at such, at such an alarming rate, I think for a lot of us, um, one of the things that I've been asked about is what do you actually need uh, in terms of a down payment when you're, when you're purchasing a, a property, could you just maybe walk us through through um, what funds you should you should have available in terms of uh, in terms of your down payment, um, and just give 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 maybe listeners a, an, an idea of of maybe some of the resources they should have on hand. Absolutely, and I think uh, closing costs is one of those topics that we like to discuss earlier on because in addition to your down payment, so um, you can enter the market with five percent. Um, up to 20% if you're looking at a high ratio mortgage. Anything over 20% would be considered a conventional mortgage. And what I look at is when you have, regardless of 5% or 20% down, you have to factor in closing costs. 
And the closing costs are going to be your legal fees, which range from uh, up to $1,500 plus disbursements, depending on the lawyer. Um, there's also going to be land transfer tax. So as a first time home buyer, there are rebates that you're eligible for, which is up to $4,000 um, that you're going to be able to save on that. But then property taxes and arrears. So if property taxes have been prepaid for the year, then you have to pay that money back to, um, I guess, the, the seller, right? So these are some of the costs that are associated to the property itself that you really only see when you get to the closing stages. So we like to factor in closing costs to be 2% of the cost of the home. Um, and that's fairly accurate depending on if you qualify for the land transfer tax or if you don't qualify for it, then you're going to be susceptible to that if you're not a first time home buyer. Great. No, that that's very helpful. I uh, I think you know those are the things that we're we're trying to avoid as those surprises on uh, a closing day or a few days before before closing day. I know it's something that that I want clients to be able to avoid that stress um, if at all possible. Um, I guess my one of my final questions I've had, and it's something that I always get questions about, and of course I, I lead them to uh, a mortgage broker like yourself to to answer the questions, um, and that's around rates. Uh, are what are you seeing in terms terms of, of mortgage rates, obviously we're seeing some historical historical lows, but I'm curious in terms of, of what you're seeing um, currently and uh, if, if your down payment also plays a, a factor in, in what rate you, you would likely uh, be getting. Um, yeah, I think that's a phenomenal question to, to kind of sum things up here. Um, I think that as just regular consumers, behavior has been designed to look at rate shopping. So trying to find the lowest rate, I look at, does the rate reflect the flexibility in the product? Um, and that all goes back to assessing your goals. Um, but right now we have seen some historical lows since uh, prior to 08 um, due to the financial collapse. But um, recently, this was as of last week without going too deep into the weeds with it, um, Bank of Canada Chief Tiff Macklem was out speaking about the I guess the economy and how it's rebounding. So it's actually caused a slight increase into the interest rates. And we're noticing that by different activities and lenders are increasing their rates again. It's not this substantial increase that people were, were, were worried about, but um, as we start seeing the economy rebound and starts to boom post COVID, you will start seeing those interest rates start climbing again slowly and gradually. If we recall last year around January, rates were about 2.89. Right. So now right now we're sitting in the low twos. And I guess to answer the second part of your question is, does it differ between having um, 5% down versus 20% on interest rate? It does, because when, when you're paying 5% down, you will have a lower interest rate, but you're paying CMHC or mortgage default insurance. So you have to factor that into the overall cost of the mortgage. Whereas when you're paying 20% down or, or less than, or greater than 20% down, you will have a slightly higher interest rate, but you're not going to be having the mortgage premiums associated to that mortgage as well. Great. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's something that I'm always, uh, I'm always uh, telling clients to talk to their, to their mortgage uh, broker about, because uh, again, uh, sometimes rate, rate shopping can, can, is, it can be a very good thing, obviously for clients to do. I want to make sure that they're, they're getting the, the lowest rate. But one of the other things I'm seeing, and maybe you can just touch on this briefly is, is what, what the actual mortgage product is in its totality, meaning that it's not just a rate, but what if you need to switch or you need to make a move or, or you, uh, you know, you, you got moved for your job and you're moving to Vancouver tomorrow. Those kinds of things are happening all the time. So um, what, what are your thoughts on that? So uh, 
the best way to explain is, is why I always start off every conversation with uh, prospective clients is what are your goals? Um, because in understanding where your goals are, you can find a mortgage product that meets your current flexibility and needs or your future flexibility and needs. Um, and that's related to how portable the mortgage is. So rate is one component of it, but the flexibility, how portable it is, your prepayment penalty associated to that mortgage is all going to be reflected in the interest rate. Right. So when you're getting these no frill products that have bare bone flexibility, you're going to see those lower interest rates. But as you start seeing that couple differences in an in interest rate, you will notice you're going to get more flexibility. You are going to have a better product that suits your needs. And then something that's not going to surprise you a year or two years down the road. And biggest one that I have, I guess, for anybody that's listening is make sure you're you're very uh, I guess, aware of the term a bona fide sales clause, because if a lender stipulates a bona fide sales clause, you cannot switch to a lower interest rate or go to a different lender unless you sell that property. And that's one thing that we've noticed with a lot of credit unions who do offer competitive rates that will lock a client in and then they cannot switch to a different lender for lower interest rate unless they sell that property. Wow. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, I've definitely uh, seen some clients in that position where they they weren't aware of the terms of their mortgage. And then they're, you know, they're paying tens of thousands of dollars to uh, to make a switch or because they have to make a move and maybe they can't buy a house right away or there's there's uh, not the portability in the mortgage that they they thought about. Um, so this this has been exceptionally helpful. I, I know listeners ask me a lot about financing questions, and it's something that I always say I am not the expert on, but I would like to uh, to, to bring in uh, to a mortgage broker like yourself into the process to make sure that these questions can get answered as quickly and as thoroughly as possible. So I'd love to have you back on the uh, the podcast in the future, Eddie. Um, one question I, I do have for you is how can people get a hold of, of you? What's the what's the best way to to contact you if they do have a, a mortgage question that stems from the podcast today? Um, so just multiple ways you can get a hold of me through my website. It's www.eddiebarra.com. There is a way to book an appointment. You can schedule either a virtual Zoom call or you can schedule a phone call with me or you can text me or call me at 519-852-8207. My phone's available. I'd love to entertain clients or any questions that you may have. Um, or you can reach me on my email at mortgages at eddiebarra.com, which is E-D-D-I-E-B-A-R-A.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much for, for joining the show today, Eddie. I will put some uh, contact information in the show notes for today. And I just want to thank all the listeners for listening to the London, Ontario Real Estate Podcast. I am Phil Bailey from Royal LePage Triland in London, joined by Eddie Barra, Barahona today on the show. Looking forward to uh, to the next episode. And thanks so much for listening. <laughs>